we're particularly blessed just to have with us tonight no stranger to us uh our dear friend and brother um, pastor uh, joseph mullins he has been with us and as a matter of fact the reason why you're not seeing him is just because we are <laughs> uh, we're not gathering at church right now but we're just so grateful to the lord that we still have uh, the means and the ways uh, just to share this bond of fellowship and tonight uh, our brother will be coming with a teaching on fasting for us tonight and so i i just want to encourage everyone uh, get your notebook out if you may well folks don't use notebooks and many folks don't use notebooks anymore they have their ipads their cell phones or whatever it may be uh, but let's Let's put some things in writing. Let's record it that we can go back to it. Uh, this will also be available on the website. Uh, but it's always good to have your personal notes. And as we learn tonight, let's 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 prepare our heart to put what we will learn in action. At this time, without any further ado, I want to invite uh, our brother, Pastor Joseph Mullins, just to come on and just to present to us tonight this teaching god bless you praise the lord pastor james god, god bless, bless you sir good to see you good to see and you. the family again to the church of god the ministers everyone who's here tonight i greet you in jesus precious name it's good to be with you um good to be able to share with you on this particular subject um it's a passion of mine it's something that i've been practicing since i was a teenager with the help of my father and his library and his books. And so um, I just want to share, as, as pastors asked me to come on tonight, to, to give you some encouragement and some tips on how to do fasting safely, um, courageously, and, and how to unlock the doors of spiritual blessings, favor, spiritual gifts, amen, through the personal sacrifice of fasting. Indeed, I miss you all. wish I could have flown by every other Sunday night or so just to to worship with you, but we all know the conditions right now don't really allow that. Um, but you're definitely in my prayers um, and in my thoughts. I was connecting with Pastor James and we do maybe not frequently enough, um, but just recently and just saying how we missed the fellowship. And so tonight, um, just a, a chance to really edify the body of Christ. And I'll, I'll give some background. I do want to share a screen. It's going to be very um, instructive in parts. I want to be very open. So if, if you have questions, um, concerns, and then please either raise your hands through the, the raise your hands function or put a question in the chat. And if the um, administrators don't mind just letting me know in case I miss something, um, I don't mind stopping along the way. This is not going to be a teaching that runs fast. It's one that we just want to make sure you get the information and you understand how to apply it to yourself. I'm just going to attempt to share um, my screen with you. And when you see that, just give me a thumbs up to let me know that you're seeing that clearly. Praise God. Thank you. God bless you. All right. So um, I usually start just by asking folks to indicate, and, and this is not everybody's always comfortable with this, but um, I need to get a sense for where some of us may be in terms of our experience of fasting. So I'm going to expand my 
screen so I can see everybody. If you have done three days of fasting straight with just water, day and night, just give a thumbs up so I can see if you've gone that far before. Three days, just water, day and night. Praise the Lord. Okay, maybe I should have started higher. Uh, five or seven days of fasting, just water, day and night. Okay, we have a. <laughs> if this if this was a, if this was a race, we'd have a winner, but it's not a race. Okay, so we bless you, brother Michael. Um, all right, anyone gone to fourteen days, just water? All right, okay. So one of the things I noticed when we, when I came to Canada is that people talked about fasting, but it wasn't very biblical. And I, I didn't understand it when folks said they were going on fasting and you meet them in the evening and they're eating chicken. <laughs> I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand it. So what I want to teach you about tonight is, you know, biblical fasting. How do they do it in the scriptures? What evidence do we have for that? What's the history of it? And um, to help you overcome the psychological barrier, the, the psychology of the fasting and the mental side is, is, is huge. It's massive. And if you can overcome um, the feelings of, I think I'm going to die. Um, you know, this isn't right. This isn't normal. Um, when you can overcome the, the the voices of naysayers and family members saying, don't kill yourself. You must be wise. And all these things, people who haven't fasted, don't take advice about fasting from people who don't fast. I wish I had a church in here tonight. Praise God. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna break into this. I know where we are. We're at the very beginning. That's kind of what Pastor said to me. I just wanted to verify that that's where we are. I'm not here to scare you. This is not about boasting. This is not about um, it's just trying to show who can do the most. This is really about making sure that you, as a Christian, get the most out of what God designed in fasting. So let's just start from the very beginning, the history, and in modern times. So you know, as you go through your Bible, you you will see. Over time, there's, there's 63 references um, to fasting. Um, and that's in, in the New Testament. You will see um, 40, uh, sorry, let me get start from the beginning. 63 references to fasting, excluding rep repetitions of the same event. So if we see Jesus uh, fasting in, in Matthew and we see him fasting in Luke and we see him fasting in Mark, it's, you know, the same fast most of the time. So um, without repetitions, it's 63 times. 35 of these refers to individuals fasting. So I want to first of all just say individuals must fast, and the Bible makes that very clear. 28 refers to corporate fasting or fasting in groups. So that tells us that fasting in a group is also biblical. And then if we break it up between old and new, considering the sizes of the, the two testaments, 46 in the old and 17 in the new, it's pretty consistent throughout the Bible, um, this theme of fasting. So we can't make it foreign. We can't, we can't X out fasting. We can't just overlook it. Um, it is there and we have to take another look and understand what we can mine from this. Okay, that's just a quick factual slide. I'm going to do a quick overview here of, of the people that did fasting and the different fasting lengths and why that was important. 
And um, what stands out quickly is those 40 days. Very, very daunting to look at that. But you'll see that those names are big names, you know, very important key figures that have brought us uh, both Old and New Testament, if you like, um, types of Christ, um, you know, huge biblical figures who brought great messages, fought great um, battles in the spirit um, to leave us a great legacy. Um, the 40-day fast has been known as the prophetic fast. Um, people attach that label to it. The Bible doesn't say that, but they call it the prophetic fast because of um, the prophets that it, um, um, that we see fasting for 40 days. Um, who do we see on the Mount of Transfiguration? Well, it's Moses and Elijah. Um, and Jesus is there. So, you know, is that a coincidence? So, the, you know, these are important people. So we, we're not trying to say... Um, every believer is going to fast 40 days. We're just saying, look at what was achieved when these men made such sacrifices. Okay, and I put here as a subtopic that these were human beings like me and you. Let's 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 really step back and and stop, you know, the story. The Bible is a storybook um, idea, and and think these are human beings. We might have said, well, Jesus was part divine, and so you know maybe he had that extra bit of help. Well. Elijah was a man of like passion, and so was Moses. And Moses, poor man, he had to do it twice. We see the first time he went up. I don't know that the Lord prepared him for that or told him what he was going to do. Um, but he, he he's up there in the mountain for 40 days to receive the covenant, covenant initially. And that's groundbreaking. That's groundbreaking for humanity. We're talking about the kind of shift that changed the whole course of mankind. Right? That's powerful to get the Ten Commandments. The whole modern day legal system is basically based upon this type of wisdom. The Bible says that when the nations round about saw the laws that Israel had, they were astounded because no other nations had laws like them. Well, well a man went up into a mountain and made a sacrifice, you know, and, and God gave him something great that would change the course of history. That same man came down that mountain and was vexed when he saw the behavior of God's people. And he threw down those tablets and he had to go back up. And the second time, Lord said, well, you're going to cut it out. You're going to uh, write it down this time. And so, um, again, he went up 40 days and we see him coming down with, with, a, with, with a shining face. We see the glory of God beaming off of him so much so that the people around him didn't even want to um, look at him. And some may say that this is just some kind of uh, phenomenon that was unique to Moses and maybe you know that would never happen again we're going to share some testimonies later on that will tell you that the glory of God can still sit on you in a very visible way when we make the right kind of sacrifices we see Elijah also going on this fast in first kings and again for prophetic assignments he had a massive assignment to fulfill and he was put on a 40-day fast the bible says he was able to go 40 days in the strength of the meat he had the 40 days previous. Jesus did it for his public ministry, and we know it was to introduce the new covenant. And before he went out, having spent, what, 30 years living on the earth. Sorry, Sister Cerise, I'm a bit dry. If you can just help me with some water, praise God. Having lived for uh, 30 years, done miracles here and there, when it was time for his ministry to kick off, and we'll look at this a bit later on, Jesus the Bible says is driven by the spirit into the wilderness 
to be tempted by the devil. That's really interesting. And as we break down the purpose of fasting and what fasting does for us, we will see that there is spiritual qualification for you in the process of fasting. Some of you have a limit upon your spiritual life because you won't practice fasting. You're great at praying. You're sincere in your ministry. You love the Lord, but you have a ceiling that you can't break because you won't fast and you won't pray. Some things don't break without prayer and fasting. And there are some experiences of God and some experience of his presence that you won't get the keys to unlock until you do it through prayer and fasting. Just a moment. Sorry. We just came out of a fast in the beginning of January. We try and do a 21 day period. Some people can take 21. Some people can take three. Some people can take seven and whatever. And so as you come out of a fast, you need to hydrate. And I've not hydrated enough before coming on. So forgive me. All right. So Daniel did 21 days. Again, these fasts were sort of imposed upon them by circumstance. Um, and he, he was seeking understanding. He was, he, he was seeking revelation from God. And uh, people talk about the Daniel fast where he went on uh, the fast of uh, just eating peas and lentils. And uh, I don't put that down. I think there's, there's great value in you changing your diet. There's great value in you um, disciplining yourself and eating only vegetables for a while. It can also help with clarity of thought. And also it's a form of sacrifice and you'll find it in your Bible. So I wouldn't say to nobody, don't do a Daniel fast or, or Daniel fasting isn't fasting. But it's just so funny that I find a kind of spirit behind this. Uh, I'm doing a Daniel fast. It's almost like I'm on a diet. There's a spirit which is like, uh-uh, if you're fasting in the spirit of fasting, we'll get to this. You're not really supposed to be talking about it. So you posting about your fasting on Facebook is completely um, backwards and against the spirit of what um, gets you the benefit of fasting. It's supposed to be done secretly. So just be wary of, of um, fasting, which is kind of uh, cloaked as dieting, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm just changing my diet. If you don't pray with your fasting and if you're not reading more with your fasting, you're just on a diet. And so we, we again, we'll break this down a little bit more. Then there are a few seven days of fasting shown in the Bible. David is one of them. And a lot of fasting in the Old Testament happens around grieving. And that's really interesting because we talk about bereavement counseling and how we get through bereavements. You often see um, that people uh, go on fasting at the time of bereavements. And um, I don't know the whole science of it. I haven't studied it deeply, but I just find it interesting that there's a pattern. Um, in church, sometimes we, we do lack sometimes the, the services to just help people um, get through stuff. Um, and it's, it's interesting. I wonder how that might look if we applied a bit of fasting um, to those most serious and grave moments in our life where we need comfort and we need strength to get through. I would say there's no harm in doing that. Paul, I'm sure, fasted more than three three days, but we don't have much more evidence for it than that. Uh, After he was saved and the Lord kind of struck him down, he was put on a three-day fast um, before hands were laid upon him and he received the Holy Spirit after that. In the book of Esther, she put the whole nation on a three-day fast. And I love that fast. And you see um, within uh, Joel, where he says that you know, the, 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 the elders should proclaim a fast and call a solemn assembly. That's called everybody. 
I was raised in a church where we would have solemn assemblies every so often. When, when the pastor wanted the church to go through a bit of cleansing and purification, he put the church on fasting and says, we're going to have a solemn assembly. And in that solemn assembly, it says, even those that suck the breast should go on fasting. And we're so wise today that we wouldn't put a baby on fasting. But we had babies silent through fasting in solemn assemblies. I'm just telling you that that our faith isn't where it needs to be because we're so full of flesh and worried about flesh. And we're trying to make all allowances for flesh that we haven't unlocked doors of faith that would just deal with some things that we kind of reason away with what we call wisdom. Okay, everybody's still feeling comfortable. I need to know you're here. I don't see no faces. I don't hear no voice. Let me know that you're still here. We're here. Oh, wonderful. Okay. (laughs) Blessings. All right. Anna, specifically, we can see she fasted day and night. And I love this because, you know, when I minister into our elders, our mothers and fathers in the church, you know, I want our fathers and mothers to know you can still be fasting, too, and you can still do day and night fasting. And she was found in the temple. She was a widow, but she gave herself over to the service of the Lord. She wasn't complaining and giving out old wives fables. You know, she she was there and she was gifted to see the coming of the Christ, you know. And so what a what a what a privilege that in old age, as the psalmist said, she was bringing forth fruit and she understood the value of being on fasting day and night. The church at Antioch, Acts chapter 13. One of my favorite references, one of my favorite scriptures for fasting, because we see there. Um, and maybe we should just turn to Acts 13 because I love it so much. Praise God. Acts chapter 13. And I'm going to ask someone to read for me so I know you're still awake. Praise him. And we can read from verse one. Give me a chance to drink some water too. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Thank you. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrash and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul. For the work we are unto, I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Thank you, sir. What I love about this is that if you want to understand the spirit of the early church and how different it was to how we perceive church today in the main, look at the order in that first verse. Take us back to first one on the screen. Show them the first verse. It says, they were, they were in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers. So the first call out was for prophets and teachers and starts naming some of them. And who is at the bottom of that list? We have Saul. Okay, now we know him as Apostle Paul, but I would like to think that on this day of prayer and fasting, verse 2 says that 
They ministered to the Lord and fasted. These are the services that churches need to be putting on. Services will become to minister to the Lord in fasting. Go to verse two so they can see that just in case they don't have it. I don't know many churches that have in their calendar a service where they go for the purpose of ministering to the Lord in fasting. We used to call it fasting service. It's not a preaching service. It's not a special speaker service. It's not a a raising a special offering service. This is a day where Christ alone is the focus and our bodies are presented. And what great potential. You see, what I wanted to show you from showing you that first verse is that in a prayer and fasting service, everybody is on the same level. I'd love to think that that Saul, Paul was sitting at too many people streaming in my little house. <laughs> we see there, as I was saying, that the priority was the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to see if I can just start sharing again. Praise the Lord. Bless his name. All right. The priority was Christ. The focus was Christ. And the the chief strategist for the church in the book of Acts, you will see, is the Holy Spirit. So I want to show us that this this is so important. And I and, and I think it's it's right just to give this a bit of focus because... You know, we say we're, we're built upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. That we, we continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That means we continue in the things that they practice. We need more of these services. When our church was in revival back in the UK, those early days, when, when pastor called fasting, it, it was, there was no options, right? There, there was no sense that somebody might not fast. There was a, there was a kind of fear of God upon the people and upon the church, that if you couldn't do it, you would you would tell pastor, I'm sorry, I can't participate. But there was just this knowledge that everybody was going to fast. A three-day, everybody was going to do it. And the way we did it was that we taught the people how to do it safely, how to do it properly, how to stay healthy, how to get strength in the midst of fasting, how to get strength from your brothers, from, from the coming together, from praying in groups. Okay, so I'm, I'm telling you, you want your church to be revived, you have to move as one unit. Pastor, call one day, do a one day. If you struggle, confess, Pastor, I'm struggling. That's all right. In the book of Acts, there was, there was no real um, compulsion. When you see the, the Ananias and Sapphira, they, 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 didn't, they didn't get killed because they didn't give the full price. They, they got killed because they lied. They were dishonest. And so... Let us stay honest and keep each other honest. The accountability that we have between each other is so important, especially when we are a small church and a growing church. Move as one. Move as one. If, you, if you're struggling and you want to know how to do it, this is what this fast, this teaching is about, to show you how to get through the first time you fast. First time I fasted was about 12 years old, and I thought I was going to die. I was in school. It was a Friday. It was youth service. And I came out by the time I sat in the back of that bench. I was I felt like I was I was close to death. And my youth leader said to me, what's the matter with you? And I was too young and immature to kind of hold my peace. You know, I was looking like I was fasting and 
And so she said, what's wrong? I says, well, I was just, I was, I've been fasting and I'm not coping very well. And she said, ah, so how long have you been going? I said, just one day. The sister burst out laughing, almost laughed me to shame. That wasn't nice. But I got hold of some books and I will recommend some books to you. And I'm sure um, your pastor will as well. That will help you to read testimonies. And when you see like a, a five-year-old boy who was going blind, uh, going on fasting and getting his sight back, it will get you into shape. When you start hearing the testimonies of what God did through people, the spirit of fasting begins to come into you and the determination comes. So that all the mental barriers go when you start to be a witness of those testimonies of those who have had the victory. Okay, and finally, in, in the early church, we see um, as, as the church is on the move and growing, it speaks about um, to appoint the leaders. And I really love the spirit of this. They go to the church and they fast with the elders that they're going to leave in control. It says in Acts 14, 23, when they had ordained them elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. I love that. You know, we can go to churches and go to visit them, um, to preach and, and go there, you know, with our robes and with our oil and, and just fly through town to minister and go. But I love the spirit of this church because the elders went down there and they prayed and fasted with them. Isn't that wonderful? Prayed and fasted with them and left them in charge. Wonderful. That's how the church was built. It wasn't done in a boardroom. It was done in the boardroom of heaven under the influence and guidance of the spirit of men who fasted and prayed. It helped their decision making. It helped their, their minds to be, be keen in knowing what the mind of God was. So this is a, an overview of, of, of the references in, in your Bible. Um, and that's just to lay a foundation for us to say, hey, this is biblical. This is for us. We don't have to be nervous about how quickly we jump from one day to three day to five day to seven day. What matters is that you start taking steps that are sacrificial in nature, um, that are incremental for you. I always tell folks, try and push a little bit further than you pushed the last time. And if you're around people who are scared of fasting and have never fasted, you will never fast. But when you start getting around people of faith, you see, and, and people who understand the move of the spirit, then you begin to see, yes, this is something I need to do. A lot of preachers talk about the power of God. If they were going to be really helpful to you, they would tell you the price they paid to walk into that room where God now gives freedom and access to miracles is through prayer and fasting. Praise God. Any questions before I move on to my next slide? Any questions? All right, I'm going to move on. Now, I'm bringing it down to the natural because I want I want your flesh to really get the message. So Henry S. Tanner is, was an American doctor who was known for fasting. He, he uncovered this secret privately and began to use fasting on his patients um, back in the 1800s. And... He wanted to prove to the world that Jesus, in the aspect of his fasting, was not behaving in a divine way, that actually he was demonstrating 
the, the, the capability and the boundaries of the human body and what it could cope with and what would be healthy and good for any human being. And so he put on a big show um, by contacting the newspapers and telling them, I am going to go on a 40 day fast and I want you guys to monitor me, you know, every day. I want you to come take my picture. I want to show you that this thing is possible. So what, what he did in his day um, was really remove the mask or the mystique from, from fasting, that this wasn't just some ancient practice that couldn't be done, that wasn't necessary. He showed that not only was it possible, but that it would be, it would be good for your health. So you can look him up online and follow the whole story. Because they're old pictures, they don't tell um, uh, you know, a, a, a great you can't see a great lot of detail in it, but the man didn't die and he didn't turn into a skeleton. And it proves that throughout the process of fasting, your body has ways of regenerating. Now, we're talking about fasting with water. So any fasting I'm talking about, I'm talking about water only fasting from day one to day whatever you finish. That's what he did. And he said, as long as you stay hydrated, the human body can cope with this. Well, this man went on another one. And the second time that he did it, his gray hairs turned black. So maybe we understand now that what Moses went through was not just about the glory of God, but he had a physical regeneration based upon the two times 40 fasting that he did. And this man is the proof of it. So there you go. Now, hopefully the flesh has no more excuses, no more reasonings. Uh, why it's not possible and we'll deal with people who maybe have some health issues we will take those questions at the end and how you can still fast with those um, but for those of us especially for younger people coming up I believe it's important that we sow the seeds of fasting that, that young people have in their mind there's coming a day when I'm going to do fasting and I've, I've done my three day and I'm going for my five now and I'm I've done five, I'm going for seven. I've done seven, I'm going for 14. Like we, we need to get our young people in the mindset of the practice of fasting that was left behind for the church. We're going to let those Hindus and folks outdo us because they understand the power of it for the body more than some of us do as believers. So this is just to let you know in the flesh, this man is not, he's not, an, he's not an example of praying. The praying examples are even more powerful because there's revivals that break out. If you see the story of revival in Ethiopia, um, of uh, the church led by Brother Teclamirian, read that book, Unseen Hands, and check out the fasting that was done by some of those people in that book before that mighty revival broke out. And now there's up to over a million people gathering just for convention in the land of Ethiopia. I mean, it's all about whether we believe that we're here to have an impact on earth and leave a dent in the earth. Or if we just want to just stay, you know, get on the train to glory and, and get home safely. I'm not trying to cause any trouble in the kingdom of darkness. I'm not trying to make any name for Christ. Yeah, he's, he's done well for himself and I just want to get home to glory and I'll be all right. Well, if we're going to do more than get home to glory, we're going to have to do more than just come to church and more than just pray. We're going to have to mix prayer. We fasted. Okay, now I want to show you that it's not even optional. It, it's necessary and it's an obligation for all the followers of Jesus Christ. We can start with Luke 5, verse 35. 
you know, they, they, they were asking, you know, the disciples of John, they fast, Lord. So what's up with yours? Why don't they fast? And the Lord says the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away and then they shall fast. And I showed you in the book of Acts the evidence of the disciples fasting. And even Paul in his writing to the Corinthians says in fasting often. So that was one of his keys for spiritual power and for spiritual um, life and sustainability was that he lived in a place of fasting. So the disciples will fast. And if we see ourselves as one of his disciples, then we also ought also to fast. I've taken this old picture. It's not that clear. It's from an old book um, written by Franklin Hall. And for me, he's the cornerstone contributor to the theme of fasting in a, uh, with uh, combined with prayer. He wrote the book, The Fasting Prayer. He wrote the book, Atomic Power with God Through Prayer and Fasting. And a lot of the revivals that kicked off in the 60s um, and the growth of those churches came from uh, people reading his book. Everybody from the T.L. Osborns to the Catherine Kuhlmans, they will all say it was Franklin Hall's book we were reading about prayer and fasting. And this little image here shows you that, that, that fasting with prayer is the key that unlocks the doors to spiritual gifts, to good health, to miracles, um, to grace, to the uh, anointing, to faith, brotherly love, in all the things locked up because they need the key of fasting to open them. Let's look quickly at Mark um, chapter 9, verse 17. Sorry, that can't be right. Mark 9. Hang on. That's correct. It's correct. Let's go from verse 17 to 29. And it's a little story here. And I want to just walk you through bit by bit. From verse 17, it says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I've brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? So faithless was the accusation by Jesus Christ. How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it have cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand 
and lifted him up and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? Okay, they came privately to Jesus. They were a bit embarrassed about this. He said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. So Jesus has this moment set up to illustrate the power of fasting. Now, previously he sent them out and he says, you know what? Go out, go and cast out devils. And they didn't have the Holy Ghost, but they were given authority. For that moment, they were given a word to go and get the job done. But they would encounter something that would not go with just a word. It needed something more. And so I'm changing over here to to Matthew 17, looking um, at the same scripture and and just bringing out an extra element here about why they couldn't cast it out. Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. Remember, he said, oh, faithless generation. But verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. So he's not saying it needs to be big. It just needs to be faith, purely faith. You shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible to you. I want to put to you tonight that that is a perspective that can only be revealed in you through fasting. Fasting is the slayer of unbelief. Fasting suffocates your flesh. And this is why this is why breaking your fast every night doesn't work, because there is something that needs to happen in your body. It needs to be put to a certain level of death and denial. On a continued basis for you to reach the point where you have certain things open in you where you are creating more space if you imagine like a like a balloon you blow into it it creates more and more space you have to have room inside of you and and faith just it it, it inflates the faith of god inside of you so he says when you have faith it doesn't have to be big it just needs to be pure faith you'll see the mountain and you'll you'll speak to it and you'll tell it where to go Now, they hadn't fasted and Jesus didn't go on another course of fasting to deal with that demon. He had done his fasting to launch his ministry. He had covered the the full length of his ministry. He was only going to be there for three years. His 40 days covered his three years. He had laid a foundation that was going to allow him to have that level of authority. Because of your unbelief. So what fasting does in you in the process. And it's not just about the denial of food. It's not just about how long you can go. This is about an inward transformation that happens in you. Paul says that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And, you know, science is is, is kind of catching up with um, the power of what we've been told to do in the scripture. You know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, nobody was really talking about the brain as something um, that develops and changes every day. They're very sure of it now. They now talk about the brain as being able to to create new um, bridges and to create new habits. um, Neuroplasticity is what they call it. They say after 21 days of doing something 
consistently, you can start a new habit and end an old one. They prove this. If you if you buy a watch today and you're not a watch wearer, you're going to feel that watch for 21 days. After 21 days, your brain says the watch is on your hand. And now we don't we don't feel it anymore. It becomes part of your body because you've had it there for long enough for your brain to accept it. You see now. So when when you go on courses of fasting, you are actually giving your brain a chance to be rewired. Last year, we did a fast of 21 days. I mean, it was a chain fast, but we asked people to specifically um, deliberately attempt to change their habits of devotion and prayer. We wanted to be able to set up new routines. So this, this fast was to set up new routines in our life because we all set out to pray at the same time every day. We all set out to do family devotions and, and they fall to the ground so many times because we haven't undergirded them and we haven't done them long enough to become a practice in our home. And so we did this 21 days and so many people testified their lives have not been the same since. Because what the science is telling us is it doesn't just begin with a decision. It begins with practice. <laughs> so practice can actually change the brain. Practice transforms the mind. That's why we have to push ourselves to pray. We have to push ourselves to come to church. Because in the practice of pushing our body into the position it needs to be, our whole mind and spirit comes in alignment with that. David got to a place where he said, my heart and my flesh are crying out for the living God. You push yourself into a pattern so much, your body wakes you up at, at, at 10 minutes to five to pray, at 10 minutes to six to get ready to start for six. Your, your body is now helping you because it's, it's now ingrained in a process. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you do that? You got to keep doing the things that God told you to do until those things remove, until new habits form and old habits die. Well, fasting, fasting helps you to kill old habits and to start new ones. This is another in, in illustration from Franklin Hall. And um, again, it's old school, man. This book is so old, they, they drew they drew these things with their hands, it seems, but it works. Um, he's showing here on the lower line that these are small mountains to fast in. Okay, so the things that prayer removes are not the things that fasting removes. Prayer is good and we need to keep praying. But what the word of God is telling us, there are things that get blown away. There are problems that get solved much more easily. Um, we can spend all night praying for something that can be solved by a, a good three day fast. And we pray and pray and pray. And yes, God is hearing us, but God is saying, look, don't misunderstand the weaponry I've given you. Like if you have an arsenal of weapons, if you have an army of people before you and you have a handgun and you have a rifle and you have a bazooka and a tank, you're not going to go out against a big army with your handgun. You're going to use the most appropriate weapon for the size of the object you're facing. I just need you to understand this. So when we want to deal with like, you know, campaigns, we're going to go do evangelical campaigns and we're going to go on mission field. We, we put some fasting behind it. We don't do mission without fasting. We have people on chain fasting and chain prayer back home when we're going into places new. We understand that mountains have to be moved and we know how they get moved through prayer and fasting. If you don't want to move anything bigger than your mortgage, than that sister who's giving you trouble and all, you know, all these low level 
issues that are not kingdom issues, that are not ministry gift level issues. So we're not, not talking about the gift of miracles and the gift of faith. If you, if you just want enough faith to get home, then all you need to do is to pray. But your church, I believe, is about faith and deliverance. So your church needs to be a fasting church. It needs to have people devoted to it. It needs to have people on the course of it because then it takes the dependency off of self and it takes the dependency off of one person and it puts the dependency entirely upon God. Lord, we're depending upon you. So it's just understanding there are different weapons in the arsenal of God's people. And when we want to graduate to do greater things for God, it takes prayer with fasting. All right. If there are any questions, I'll take some before I move on. I'm going to switch another gear into the next slide. And and pastor, you have to pull my jacket um, online or digitally somehow. Just tell me when I need to start coming down. Okay. Go ahead, Rev. <laughs> All right. So I want to I want to break some of this down about what's happening in your body. All right. And, and, and this is just who we are. And I, I should have put scriptures in here, but I'm I'm dealing with first John, where, where he speaks of the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. If you want to find it and put that up for the saints, um, that'll be helpful for those that need a reference. Um, so we, we have four appetites and, and this is um really taken from the teaching of Franklin Hall. I, I agree with them based on how they line up with the scripture, so I'm reusing them. So you won't find this as explicitly in the scriptures, but you'll see it there uh, with a dotted line to certain scriptures. We have a spiritual side to us. Now, the spiritual side is the most underutilized part of the believer and most human beings. So there's, there's a whole lot of um, people today into spirituality. And, and don't sleep on those people because they're understanding that they are spirit. And although they are not going to the correct source for spirituality, they understand that they are not just human. They're not just a body. They're not just physical. And so you'll find, um, I don't know how many children has. I don't want to go too deeply into what witches do and how they astral project and move around and fly around and, and are able to kind of go into the spirit realm on the dark side. There is a realm and a lot of people are oblivious to it, but some people are not. Even those folks on the side of evil will fast. When you see uh, popular magicians like uh, David Blaine doing these 40, I think he did 41 days hanging in a box. That's deliberately trying to do one more than Christ. These are satanic rituals. He's fasting for greater power. He's, he's going into higher and deeper initiation. That's what those things are when you see those things. Okay, so they practice fasting. They give themselves over and they know what rewards they're getting for doing that from the dark side. It's a shame that we have so many believers who, who just want a carnal existence. So we have these other appetites within us. We have the hunger appetite. We know that one well. Amen. From a baby, we, we start crying because we feel the pangs of hunger. It's the one that we are all most familiar with. And so we would call that a lust or desire of the flesh. It needs to be fed. It needs nourishment. Uh, OK, so I'm looking at here at both um, the lusts and, uh, and, the, and the senses that relate to those lusts. So for, for hunger, you know, you smell food. Many of us break fast when we when we smell food. We, you know, we. 
We start determining how we're going to break a fast by the kind of food we smell while we're fasting. You know, all these different things. It, it's a temptation that comes to us just by the smell. Um, the taste of food brings us back to food and the sight of food can make you even to start to salivate. That's how, how the whole digestive system works. So, so all of these senses are involved with hunger. And so these are some of the things that you are silencing throughout the fast and you're putting under subjection. Most people have been trained to believe you must have three meals a day. Okay. And, and, and then that leads to other terrible things. So we, we end up eating very late at night. We start doing things that aren't wise because we have a belief that I must eat. We get our bodies into a habit at times that aren't even healthy for our bodies. And we convince ourselves, well, if I feel like eating, I'll just eat or I'll pick and pick and pick throughout the day. Hunger. It's a lust. It's a desire of the flesh. And what what um, fasting does is tames hunger. The Bible speaks about belly God, people whose bellies are their gods. They're driven by food. Uh, some people say, I, I don't eat to live. I live to eat. OK, they call themselves foodies. They give themselves labels. You know, and the Bible says in the last days, what's going to be happening? Eating and drinking. This is a big, big deal. Food is a big deal. There's a whole food network on cable. You can just watch food on TV all day long. New recipes, food, food, food. In the last days, this is what the Lord said they'll be doing. Why? Because it's natural to us. And if we allow it, it can dominate us. And so fasting says, I'm putting you under control. Paul says, I treat my body hard. I put it under discipline. Okay, and, and I'll talk to, to you on the next slide about how long it takes for hunger to leave you. Because hunger will go at some point. And you won't feel hungry anymore during the fast. And so the smell of food won't be a problem. You get to a point where you can be fasting five days or more and cooking for the family and preparing the breakfast and doing all their lunches. It doesn't bother you because you've, you've overcome him. OK, serious thing, hunger. And when we're sometimes saying we're hungry, we're not. What it is, is, as I said earlier on, your whole body and brain has been trained to receive food at the same time every day. So if you pick it throughout the whole day, you've created a habit for your body and it will keep asking. Same time. If you have breakfast at the same time every day, your body will start saying, all right, time for breakfast, time for breakfast. When you get to the third day, yeah, you're going to be going through so much turmoil. The first three days, this is why some people don't go past three days, because the first three days are the most hellish days of fasting. Because your body's saying, but it's breakfast time, but it's breakfast time, but it's lunch time. And, and so even the acids start getting released inside of you saying, I am expecting food to digest. And you're having all these pains inside of you. So I'll teach you some things about preparation that will limit those things happening at the three, first three days that are make getting over three days easier. But you must understand your body has been trained up until this point and you have to be aware that your flesh is fighting against your spirit. Because when you can reduce your, your, your hunger appetite, you increase your spiritual appetite at the same time. And that's what the enemy doesn't want to happen. Okay, so when you get that hunger under control coming out of a fast, you don't need to eat as much. In fact, you'll hurt yourself trying to eat too much. When you have powered your body on water for seven days, when you come out of a fast, a glass of juice can take you through a day. 
vegetables will take you through a day because you did it without without them for seven days. Now you give this. It's like, oh, I'll take that. And what are you doing? You're giving it the best type of nutrients and you're now retraining your body to have different habits. Uh, it's a wonderful experience, though tough sometimes. I wish I could see your faces. <laughs> All right. The other appetite is the sexual appetite. Lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes. It operates on those two gates, if you like, but it engages all of the senses. And so the enemy has many ways to entice you um, into sexual activity or um, lust of the flesh, you know, desires of the mind. He can, he can send dreams. He can, he can send um, pop-ups on your phone, different things to get you activated, the things you see. You might smell a perfume that used to get you when you was in the world, and you might smell that thing and have to rebuke that thing because it can come through smell. This one is a dangerous one because every sense can be used to get you. However, the first two I mentioned are not the toughest ones. The toughest one is greed, which is linked to the pride of life, the lust of the eyes. It's the last thing to die in a person. And in fact, it's why the church is in a mess, because the church has gone on for years without people fasting. So they haven't been able to really kill pride. All the stuff that has us fighting for positions in church, fighting over, you know, silly things. Who's building? Who's got the biggest this? Who's got the best choir? Who's choir leader? Who's musician? All of those garbages. The performance of church hasn't gone because pride hasn't gone. That's that's one of the issues we've got. When you see people walking in pride, they might even be gifted, but walking in pride. Limit on the ministry. Some people are gifted, but intolerable because of pride. All right. So these are the things that that get under control during fasting. I want to show you that these also were the areas in which Christ was tempted in Matthew chapter four. Praise God. What time do you usually finish? I do want to be, I do want to be careful because I have some little ways to go. What time do you close up? We finish off at around 8.30, right? Praise God. That's good. All right. The devil comes to Jesus in Matthew 4. And remember now, and I alluded to this earlier on, it says there that the spirit of the Lord led him up to be tempted of the devil. Why, 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 why would the Holy Spirit send Jesus to be tempted? It didn't, it didn't say it sent him to fast. So, so I, I need you to understand that the graduation and the qualification of the child of God is based upon the things you defeat. The temptations you overcome. Jesus was sent up there to defeat everything that he would have to defeat in his ministry. To overcome everything that he would have to overcome in his ministry in the earth. That's how ministry works. That's how leadership works. You are able to defeat in people the things you have defeated in yourself. You can't lead people out of something that you are still bound by. It's, it's, it's not wholesome leadership for you to not have received your stripes in the spirit. I'm not talking about your ordination. 
I'm talking about the demons you face face to face. The things you had to overcome where nobody was looking. That graduates you for ministry, not the laying on of hands. It's what the spirit takes you through to meet the people that you have to meet. We'll come back to that. Jesus was physically hungry. And so the devil could only come to him on things that mattered to him. Didn't James say that no man um, can be tempted unless he's drawn away by his own lust. That means by his own desire. So the devil can't tempt you with a temptation that isn't yours. Okay, my, my 600 pound life is not a temptation for me, but it is for some people. Some people like to watch people who have issues. I don't know if it makes them feel better to see people worse than them. I don't know. But some people love to put their eyes on certain things. It's not my problem. But there are certain things I'm interested in watching that the devil would want to tempt me with. What is your temptation? What is it that you're here for? So the devil doesn't try to pull you away with something that isn't an issue for you. So he comes to Jesus on hunger, number one, and says, hey, turn these stones to bread. The devil knowing that all he needs to get Jesus to do is to follow one of his commands. That's what the principle was, because if he was to ever obey him, that would be the end of the whole mission. You can't obey Satan. You can't take any instruction from Satan. Not that Jesus couldn't turn those stones to bread if he wanted to. But he came to him on physical hunger. Jesus came back with the word and answered him. As we know, man shall not live by bread alone. Then he wanted him to throw himself down. Now, I'm not going to take time to describe how the theory of suicide is connected um, to the sexual part of um, the appetites of man. But this is a, a theory throughout time between sex and death, that these two, these two concepts are close together. But his temptation to him was, because the word says he will catch you, in case you dash your foot against the stone, the angels of God will, will catch you. So now he's testing him on the veracity or the truthfulness and the faithfulness of the word. Okay, he's got to come to him with things that matter. The word matters to Jesus. He's here on a word. He is the word. All right. So prove to me that this word really is the word by throwing yourself down because, you know, it, it was well thought through by Satan, but not good enough for the Christ. The third thing he came was on the basis of his spiritual purpose. He took him up to a high mountain, showed him the kingdoms of the world. I'll give these to you. If you bow down and worship me, he wanted worship. And, and why did that matter to Jesus? Because he came to take the kingdoms of the world. In fact, even in Revelation, there's a time where it says in the kingdoms of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. So that was his purpose. He understood why he was there. But the devil was also called at this time, the God of this world. And he tempts many people with this. Look at what I'll give you if you follow me, if you worship me. Prove yourself if you be the son of God. So, so that's, that's pride of life. Pride of life is to try and be, be boasting or to, to demonstrate this is who I am, to try and show people this is who I am. I remember Jesus' brothers getting frustrated with him. You know, if you are who you say you are, go on down to the feast and you know, go prove yourself. You know, we've seen you do stuff here. Go, if, go and show them. I'm not here to prove to people in that way. And I'm certainly not going to do it just because you told me 
to do it. So he came to him on appetites and he came to him in a way that was connected to everything that mattered to him. There are things that matter to you and me that will confront us during fasting. And we need to overcome. We need to overcome those things that we can actually move forward in our ministries and move forward in our purposes because sometimes there are things buried that we have we have not uncovered. There are things we have yet to overcome that we have preferred to think that we, we can just sweep them away. And that will get by. But we have an enemy who is who is too meticulous. This is why we see great men getting brought down. And getting disgraced because they don't go through their paces. The Bible says the devil came and found nothing in the Christ. That's where he wants us to be. That whatever is a thing for me and in my flesh that I've overcome it. That the appetites within me are under control. And that none of those lusts of the flesh that relate to my personality are still an issue for me. So you can meet me years later and the guy who used to struggle with this and this and that has actually conquered them. I can now counsel people through those issues because I've been delivered from them at a deep level through prayer and fasting. I hope this is helping somebody tonight. Right, I said I would show you how these appetites leave you. Now, some of these things, they vary um, in terms of you know, your, your, your body mass, your, your, the health that you come into the fast. But this is an average uh, based on Franklin Hall's teachings of how these appetites leave. And they roughly work out right for me um, in the same way. So he said several days. So it can be between five and seven days for some people that hunger leaves. For others, it's, it's like day three or four. Okay. Hunger can leave you. And I think it's all based on your preparation and i'll say a little bit more about that in detail between week one and um or one week and 10 days weakness will leave you so there's a there's a kind of weakness around the knees the joints um you feel a a bit lethargic you'd rather lay in you don't want to get up you know that can hang on for a little while and you have to really push yourself um to get up and to to go out to get fresh air to kind of keep reviving yourself um until that weakness goes away the sex desire leaves after a week in most people um but the last thing as i said to go is the greed appetite and if you look at the last commandment that you should not convict your neighbor it's 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 like it's the most telling commandment to this day it's still the world's problem that we're just so covetous we want everything we don't have we're unsatisfied not because our house is too small but we we saw somebody with a bigger one and there's a better car and there's a nicer clothes and nicer shoes you know we the covetousness is what's killing a lot of us today i put here that greed will make you work long hours to possess things you can't afford greed will make you want what your neighbor has greed is linked to the pride of life as i said covetousness pride the deadliest of sins pride the very downfall of satan himself this is the toughest one to go this is the one that will humble you that will humiliate you in the best way possible when you when you have decisions you need to make i remember having a very big decision in fact the decision to whether or not i should come to canada and i didn't know i really didn't know because i you know the lord let me give you a quick testament the lord tapped me on my shoulder me and my wife always used to joke about you know going to canada and i wouldn't pay her no mind i said no that's never going to happen uh, don't even think about it And then she said something one day 
and the Lord tapped me on the shoulder and said, listen to your wife. And, and, I, and, I, and I was shocked because there was nothing wrong with my life in the UK. The church was growing. The, the projects in the community were doing well and even getting national press attention. My pay was going up. Everything, everything was going in the right direction. Why would I leave the UK? So I said, I'm going on a fast. That was the first 21 day fast I ever did. And I sought the Lord hoping, Pastor James, I wanted the Lord to appear in my room in a, in a, in a bright light and tell me, <laughs> stay or go. And he didn't come. But what he did, what he did, he killed pride of life. He took away my connection to all of those achievements and all of those metrics. And instead of praying, um, Lord, give me the answer, I started to pray, Lord, if you open the doors, I will go through them. If you shut them, I won't kick them down. And all the doors just started to open to Canada. They just opened, no problem. My boss having an interview with him, he says, you know, there's this question they ask you at the end of the interview of your appraisal. Would you like to work anywhere else in the world because it's a global company? And I, I know that's only a question for directors and I wasn't really one, but I said, if you can find me a job in Canada, my wife would really love that, I'm sure. And he says, funny, you should say that. I know someone who's done a similar journey. Why don't you phone him? I phoned the man. He says, what do you do? When I told him what I do, he said, send me your resume. When I sent him the resume, he says, we need you like yesterday. A job. The one thing I was most concerned about was already provided. The Lord just opened one door after another. I didn't have the money that I thought I would need in wages to really secure a home. And my boss called me, not knowing, but I was just negotiating a deal for the house I'm sitting in right now. And he said, Joseph, I don't want you to struggle to find somewhere to live. I don't want you to come out here and, and um, have any issues. So we decided, we said we were going to review your salary in 12 months, but we're going to do it in six months because they transferred me while I was still working in the UK. So I was already in the department, but working in England. Saints, they gave me a 60% pay rise. 60%. My mind was blown. I didn't ask God for a pay rise. I didn't ask him for a promotion. I just wanted his will to be done. But what he did, he killed my investment in a yes or a no. And sometimes, saints, we are fighting with our partners. We're fighting over these issues because we, we are over-invested in our own ideas. And just we haven't died at a deep enough level yet to just hear what God has to say and to value his voice. And the testimonies continue and they continue to blow my mind. We just came out of another 21 day fast and I gave me a new boss and I had my first meeting with him on Friday. And when I told him about what I do and what I'd like to do, he says, I'm going to send you a job description. You rewrite that thing and send it back to me and we will work out a new role for you. I'm telling you the favor of God. I did not ask God for promotion. I didn't ask him for a change of job. I'm just telling you, when you make God your number one priority and you present your body, I'm not talking about your mind because a lot of people just want their mind. Oh, with the mind we serve Christ, he needs your body. Your body is his temple. 
and he wants optimum performance from your body. Can't work for you if you're always sick. Can't work for you if you're overeating. If you have health issues, it's going to be a problem. He needs your temple to be fit for his use. Just those are just a few testimonies sent. Um, since I've started doing this teaching, I t- I've been taking people on fasting for as many days as they need to go in, in 21 day windows, seven day windows. And the testimonies flood in and flood in and flood in of how God has healed people, delivered them, opened doors, made ways, jobs. And we're not fasting for jobs. The Lord said, if you seek first my kingdom and righteousness, this is just stuff that I'll add to you. You don't have to chase stuff like that. Pastor, I don't pray for job. I don't pray for increase of cash. I've never seen anywhere where the Lord told me to pray for money. I I don't see it. I don't do those things. But I present my body as a living sacrifice. That's all for God's will to be done. So the, the death of all these appetites just creates room in you for the Holy Spirit. Like pouring out a glass that's full. You say, Lord, I'm pouring out all of me. Do what you want. Come and take full control of my life. And I'm telling you, he'll be working on your behalf in ways that you don't even know that you need him to work for you. I'm going to be quick with this because this is easy. I put all of um, Matthew 5 here. There is a threefold fold cord of blessing. And I teach this for folks that come on fasting journeys with me. And it's, it's quite tied to Isaiah 58, which would be another session in itself. But there are three things the Lord asks us to do privately in his basic teaching to the church. Give to people privately. Pray privately and fast privately. If you want to know the doctrine of Jesus Christ without getting too deep, because there's some deep stuff. But in terms of how to operate your life and your Christian body, these three things, saints will secure you in every aspect of your life if you do them and practice them. Give to people privately. Fast privately. So don't testify every time you fast. Saints, I'm fasting and I want to thank. No, don't, don't tell the church you're fasting. Lord said, do it privately. Don't sound the trumpet. You're giving to somebody. This is a generation where if they give anything to charity, it has to be on Facebook. It has to be on Instagram. No, 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 no. That's not how you get blessed. Give and nobody don't know you give. You do these three things. He says, when you pray, go into your closet, shut the door and pray to your father in secret. What God said he would do in all of these instances for private and secret devotion, I will give open rewards. This is, this is powerful. This is like, this is stuff that people won't, practice and i don't know why but it's so simple so especially on the fast i tell people and this is lines up with isaiah 58 you're not supposed to hoard your food on fasting fasting is not a time for you to save up on resources for food it says when you're fasting in isaiah 58 you should deal your bread to the hungry sometimes i find a charity to give to that deals with feeding the poor and I put some of my money in that direction. If we can't find literal people, if like, we can't visit people's homes and we can't necessarily find people on the street and it's not safe, find a way to feed people who are hungry. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. 
your life will change. I'm not saying to do this for for financial. I've never done any of these things for finances, but God has taken care of me. I've never done any of these things thinking, oh, I'm going to get just do what God said. Don't practice these things openly. Practice them privately. If it's a group fast, it's a group fast. Keep it within the group. All right. So the whole world doesn't have to know there's a whole group of us fasting. It doesn't need to be that way. You got your group, go down. Do the prayer, unite. Don't publish it. Leave the open reward to God. He will take care of that. Okay? All right. He says here, verse 16 of Matthew 6, you know, when you fast, don't be as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. They disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to fast. But I say unto you, they have the reward. When you fast, wash your face. Anoint your head. All right? Come out as if it's just an ordinary day. No one has to know you're fasting. In fact, what the Lord is saying is make it look as if you're not fasting. That's how much he wants you to keep it a secret. I wanted to fly through that. Okay. So, sorry, we know those things, but we may not practice them as much as, as we could or should. Now, there's a pattern I want to want, want us to understand. And after this, I'll go through some practical tips for preparation and I will wind up. There's a spiritual pattern. For fasting, and I want you to be aware of this as you go in, and especially for those who uh, have done longer and will go longer. You know, I found this pattern to be quite true. Jesus, number one, was led of the Spirit, as I said, to be tempted. So the Spirit of God will lead you into fasting from time to time. But I, I don't want you to to take that either and say, because I know there's there's some folks who have a camp of. You know, I only fast when the spirit leads me to fast. And I, I just don't know if your ears are clear. So, I, I, you know, I don't know if you're always hearing God. But there's nothing wrong with having a pattern of fasting a day a week just to keep your body in check. These aren't these aren't laws, but we've proven that that's healthy for a spiritual believer who wants to stay sharp in spiritual gifts, want to stay clean, want to keep the flesh under control. Take a day every week. Practice it in fasting often every two weeks. Whatever you choose, 